Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be in your part of the world. Welcome once again to The Alignment Show. We're going to mention this a couple of times in this episode, but a little reminder to our regular watchers and listeners, this is the last week that we are doing the show on a Wednesday. Next week, we move to broadcasting on Fridays. And so uh, we're going to have this little shift around the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll mention it again if I remember to say so. In any case, a little reminder as we're going into the holiday season, uh, you may have heard that I've got a book out, The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why. And I think that would probably make a really good gift for somebody. I've got the uh, QR code up on the screen, or you can get to it by going to donking.com. That's D-O-N-N-K-I-N-G.com slash 3-Y-O. Now, the reason you want to know about that link is because it will take you to any of the major retailers. So if you want to get somebody a paperback copy, hardback copy, then that's an easy way to do it. And I would encourage you to make use of the bookshop.org link that is on that page because you can tie that to your local bookstore. So you can make sure that you are benefiting some local merchants that way. Uh, I guess it's a cliche way to put it, but it's a win, win, win all the way around, however many wins you can think of. Now, speaking of when, our guest today, I'm just getting to know, and then you're going to get to know her along with me. Uh, she was introduced by my our mutual friend, Noemi Barris. Um, Kim Curtis has a background in finance, and I mean, this is something that you know I certainly need to learn about. I think her journey is going to be fascinating because she went from paying with a a free lunch ticket at her high school cafeteria. A lot of us been there. Not only to becoming a successful entrepreneur, Kim is a nationally recognized wealth management advisor, speaker, president, CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute. Uh, she's considered among the world's foremost experts in building wealth consciousness. She has shared the stage with astronaut Buzz Aldrin received the Financial Innovator Award with the Business Expert Forum at the Harvard Faculty Club. Uh, I'm going to have to ask about this. She has advised governors of states, national TV personalities, even cage-fighting superstars in the UFC. My goodness, what a background. So I am looking forward to getting to know better Kim Curtis. Let's bring her on stage. Kim, thank you for being with us here on The Alignment Show. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Now, here on the Alignment Show, very often we're looking at people's origin stories, you know, because whatever it is that we do, we're either driven by our values, that is the things that are most important to us, or we're working around them somehow. We encourage people to bring their lives into alignment with their values. So a lot of people grow up in a poverty kind of situation and they stay in a poverty situation. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of dig into that origin story before we get into how you help people today make a similar journey. What brought you to where you are? 
Happy to, happy to. <clears throat> I, um, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager. And my mom got full custody of three girls. And so, and she had no employable skills. Uh, uh, so she applied for and received government assisted lunches for us. And um, it was, you know, I mean, we all have different stories, you know, but from where we were to where we became as a teenager, when you think you're the center of the world at that time, uh, it was very hard. And it was, um, it was a red ticket, like a, a raffle ticket, a paper raffle ticket today that you see was the ticket that I had to transfer to that cashier. And mm. I remember going to the farthest line away from my friends and um, pulling the ticket out of my pocket as I got to the counter. I'd grab my, you know, my plate, put it on my tray, hide that ticket under my, my plate as I went down the line. And then right before I got to the cashier, I'd look behind me to make sure no one was nearby before I quickly passed that to her. And um, the emotion around that was, uh, obviously everyone knew you were poor. That was like the sign. Um, but it was more shame uh, that my parents were divorced, that my mom couldn't afford lunch, that who, you know, the, that whole shame and unworthiness was what that was about. And it wasn't until, you know, it's interesting. My mom had, uh, she had a very interesting value that was very important to her. And she taught that to us, her three daughters, and that was to get your education because no one could take it away from you. And that's what happened to her. You know, before she got married, she she didn't graduate from high school. She was three months away from graduating because my dad got drafted in the Korean War and they moved uh, from Pennsylvania to New York. And so my mom didn't finish high school. Mm. So for her was a paramount value that she wanted to make sure her daughters had. And so I went to undergrad uh, and then ultimately law school, believe it or not. Wow. So, so and and I, I, if you want me to keep going, that story actually continues. But well, I will yeah, share sure. one, I, will I, share I mean, one you know, how that. how that led, because law school is a particular kind of, of uh, difficult education, but it doesn't necessarily help you to figure out wealth. I mean, you know, we have stereotypes, <laughs> but, but there are lots of struggling lawyers out there. So, so yeah. Yeah. The, the money the conversation, Don, is so much, that's such a different story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many layers to this, but, but what happened is when I graduated from law school, I defaulted on my school loans within six months. Oh, wow. And in today's dollars, it's, it was like $92,000. I had no business having that kind of loan. I did not understand what that meant to my credit report. I had no understanding of money. Mm. And so to six months out completely uh, ruined my credit report. And I, I'm sure there are many listeners that have enormous school loan debt and feel the burden of that uh, for many of us today. So it was unbelievable that I kind of went through that without recognizing what are the consequences surrounding it. Mm, mm, yeah. And I mean, I guess, uh, again, stereotypical kind of thing. A lot of people would assume, well, you've got that legal education. Surely you know how to fight that kind of stuff. You know, it, it didn't really help in this case. Uh, so, so how did you, how did you turn that around after going, not just, 
hitting bottom, but like digging through the bottom mm-hmm. in a way. You know, how, how did you turn that around? You know, I'm a firm believer, Don, that how you do money is how you do life. Mm. So if your head is in the sand on money, trust me, it's in the sand on other areas of your life. Because money is this invisible thread that touches and navigates every part of our human existence. Every part. Uh, So if we want to or think that money is bad or there's so many different things that we can go into in terms of money myths and stories that we've Mm -hmm. heard or tell ourselves. But what happened is, you won't believe this. I had an anonymous donor pay $1,000 on my school loan debt. Now, back then, $1,000 was like, to me, it was like a million dollars because I had no concept of money. It was a lot of money. And it was because it, and the fact, the fact that I opened the statement, one, is remarkable because my head was in the sand on money. So the fact that I opened the statement and then two, noticed that the value went down, not up was in itself significant. And I, I, I tend to think that there are things that happen around us that allow us to do certain things. Um, that, that, may, that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm going to dig into that just a, a little bit. I, I caught what you said about anonymous donor, mm-hmm. but this was almost more than anonymous. I mean, whoever it was didn't say anything to you. You just mm-hmm. noticed on the statement. Wow. Um, you think, uh, again, without playing detective here, maybe this was somebody paying it forward, somebody that knew you and wanted to help but didn't want to put you on the spot? Um, it could be any number of those things. At the time, I remember, you know, because it was anonymous, I couldn't go to them, what do you want? You yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, why, sure or why me? You know, yeah. why me, I think, was the bigger question. Yeah. And that why me, it was almost done like a snap. It was like, if someone believes in me that much, oh, yeah, who is it that they believe in? Who am I? Who do I want to be? And that was the snap. Uh, that was the snap that, oh, um, when you think about life, it was um, like love. Um, and for me, it was really self-respect. You know, I I did not respect myself. I hadn't even thought about it. I had all this unworthiness and shame surrounding me. And so to actually have someone else display love that had no, nothing to get from it uh, was this washing of this feeling of love. And for me, who do I want to be? And that's when the self-respect, the awareness, it was awareness. Okay, whoa, here I am. Who do I want to be? And that the awareness is the foundation to, to clarity and, and transformation. And so that awareness was, okay, if, okay, what I'm going to do here is, is I'm responsible for this. I am responsible for, you know, crap in our lives happen all the time that we have no control over. But we do have control over our choices in that or our responses in that. And that determines our outcomes. And I think at that day was a signature moment in my life that I decided I was going to be aware of the choices and the responses that I make and that I alone am responsible for the outcomes moving forward in my life. It's not my dad's fault that he left my mom. It's not my mom's fault. It's not society. It's me. Mm. 
And hmm. what am I going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. That it's fascinating to me in a way. Again, we'll deal with a little bit of stereotype here. <laughs> Somebody who has the smarts or the grit or whatever that's involved to go from um, uh, and quick context. I, I grew up, I think I was the first one in my family to, to go to college, uh, working class family. My dad dropped out of school at uh, 10th grade, you know, so I can relate on that level. You had the smarts or the grit to get through bachelors without there being, you know, that model there and through law school and yet you were still feeling unworthy mm -hmm. okay I, I hear so much around the money awareness that is really about emotions as opposed to you know just getting the right percentage or not that that's unimportant but then that one day this one little thing in a way tipped you over to a life-changing experience Mm -hmm. Do you find with the people that you work with that the primary thing you have to work with is an attitude, a mindset, an emotional a relationship? Is that maybe more important than just getting the dollars and cents lined up on a spreadsheet? <laughs> the, the nature of my firm, um, the people that come to, to my advisory firm are in a different place mm -hmm. uh, as it relates to their assets. However, success around money is absolutely an inner game. Mm -hmm. You know, Don, there, there are two laws of money. The first law is the human-made money laws, which is what I do every day. It's mm -hmm. linear, goals-based, external. Uh, the, the, so that's the human-made money laws, you know, tax planning, estate planning, investments. Uh, and the second money law is natural money laws. And natural money laws are heartfelt, internal, um, and they're already inside of you. We all have the natural money laws, uh, giving and receiving, cause and effect, ebb and flow, um, supply and demand, intention and desire, even mercy and justice. So if we recognize that we all have money receptors, and that triggers whatever it is, how we feel about money. And if we understand those money receptors to recognize what are the stories we're telling ourselves. For instance, my son, I have a 22 year old son. He sees a Lamborghini. He sees the person driving that as success. Hmm. I see the person driving that as who would pay that much for a car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, I think so, I can't remember who wrote the book. There's a book called The Millionaire Next Door where he talks about, you know, the differences in attitudes of people who actually have made the money versus people who want you to think they've made money. That's right. Is this kind of the same same sort of thing? You know, I, I think it's really what where do our values lie? Hmm. And how do we measure that? And what are the external values and what are our internal values around money? And what were we, what messages were we given when we were younger? Hmm. So another example is what receptor do you have when you see someone asking for money on the street? Do you cross the street hmm. away from them? Or do you give them eye contact and acknowledge them in some way? Those are all money receptors. And hmm. when you hear, you know, so money is actually, <laughs> 
I'm, I'm going to take it aside and then I'll bring, I'll come back to those two sure. laws of yeah. money. Yeah. But, you know, people always say, I need money, I need money, I need money. The reality is that actually money needs you. Hmm. Okay, money is actually looking for you. Okay. And I really want to pause on that. Money is looking for you. And the reason that's so important is because you actually hit on it earlier. Money is it we is is it energy. And we created money as a system of exchange in, in our culture uh, very, very early on. And it wasn't necessarily paper. It could have been beads or shells or grain, mm -hmm. but we created it as a means of exchange. So if you think about that money is man-made, but yet what it does is ignite everything in our lives. Remember that invisible thread. So mm -hmm. if you recognize that money is looking for you, if money is looking for me, what ideas do I have for it? Because money needs your ideas to become of something to be of use to the world. And ideas are abundant. So if ideas are abundant, money ultimately is abundant too. Okay. It's kind of deep, but if, if the listeners and the viewers are getting it, I have to tell you that if you understand that basic point, um, all of a sudden the stress that you have around money evaporates because you recognize that it is unlimited. Ideas are abundant. Many of them are terrible. But if you have one or two nuggets of an idea and you do one step at a time to turn it into something, particularly the entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this, one or two, course correct, one or two, course correct, then ultimately you will find your path. And that path brings forth prosperity and wealth consciousness and abundance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now and I'm a, living, I'm a living example of that. Absolutely. absolutely. In fact, that, that was kind of what I was going to probe a little bit here. Um, I think where we can kind of relate to each other, you know, with the, uh, my, my family was intact, but my, my parents were older when I was born. They were both raised during the Great Depression, mm -hmm. went through World War II. My dad was a POW in World War II. Mm -hmm. So their lives were always driven by a fear of scarcity. Mm -hmm. um, they, they would have kept their money under a mattress if they could have, cause they didn't really trust the banks, but they were more worried about somebody breaking in the house and stealing their stuff. Uh, but they wouldn't put anything, they wouldn't put money into anything beyond maybe a CD certificate of deposit. Mm -hmm. Um, and they always worried about my dad explicitly was worried about winding up living under a bridge somewhere. Uh, when they passed away, I found that th this was back in uh, uh, early 2000s, before inflation had eaten up quite so much. Uh, they had $86,000 sitting in a bank account. You know, Now, I'm telling that as context in order to say you and I grew up with probably a mental a mindset of mm -hmm. scarcity. And you have to be careful with your money. And you order the cheapest thing on the menu even when you could afford more as you probably could later in life, I'm still struggling with that. You know, so what I want to probe with you is that day that somebody helped you to believe in yourself, there's mm -hmm. still more to it to shift the mindset. What were you able to do to shift from money is something that'll get away from you. It's scarce 
to the energy thing we're talking about right now. What led to that transition for you? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. You know, and there's a lot of people that talk about this and mindset around money. And, you know, the fact that I'm a CEO of a a multi-million dollar wealth management firm and here we're talking about the way, (laughs) the fact that we're talking about this, trust me, I am very quantitative. I'm a geek around data. And yet I also understand the qualitative piece around this, which is very important. Um, There is a quote by Mark Nepo. I don't know if you know him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, the purpose of money is to make love work. Hmm. I like that. And so to answer your question, for me, it was love. So your self-worth determines your net worth. Great. And that's really important to understand. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that that leads me to a related question. It may not seem related on the surface, but, you know, these days you you work with governors, you work with uh, star athletes. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about the UFC thing because I know a lot of those guys have come from that background of, of, mm-hmm. of poverty. Um, and it's almost a truism that you'll see in the media of uh, a star athlete who makes millions of dollars and then a few years later they're broke again. Um, these people that we would view as being very successful, do you find that they still deal with the, the attitude of scarcity? Uh, do you have to work with them on that money consciousness as much as you work with them on investment advice and that sort of thing? Uh, historically, I have. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting, Don, when you think about. Remember, I said there are two laws of money mm-hmm. and what you're describing is the human made money laws. And in our culture, at least in our country, the United States, uh, we look at that as success. Mm hmm. So you could have enormous money and not have a, an, an abundant, prosperous life yeah. or have wealth consciousness. What the meaning of wealth, the etymology of the word is well-being. Good point. Excellent. So when you think of wealth uh, and have a lot of money, but be shallow inside or have low self-esteem and not understand who you are, you will lose it because you don't think you deserve it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what happens in life is when you start to take little toe dips into money and do different things, usually it's on the outside. It's through what we talk about in the human made money laws. Um, so, but when we focus on the natural money laws, the heartfelt internal that are already inside of us, that's where we need to start first. What happens in our culture is we spend all the time outside of us to learn about money and success and love and wealth from outside until we recognize that that's not giving us the answer. Because remember, with every problem, there's only two solutions, inward and outward. And we focus on the outward to solve it. And then we recognize that it's not getting solved. So then we finally go on the inward. And that's where we need to start. That's the whole start of this whole conversation as it relates to money and success and wealth. And you need both in balance. You need the natural money laws and the human made laws in balance. You can't have one without the other, but you start on the natural money laws because you already have it inside of you. You just need to bring it out, which starts Mm. with self-respect 
self-love, worthiness, and then you up-level your game. And it starts small. It started really small for me. I started to pay back my school loan, you know, 50 bucks on the school loan. Then I got a, a raise, $100, and then, you know, $200 to pay it back. But once you, and I had a little index card, and I would write down each, at the end of each year what the balance is, and then I would pay something off, and then I would increase that balance or get a pay increase and increase the amount I paid on that. And I started to get excited about it because I saw it. It was no longer hidden because mm -hmm. once it's not hidden you can't you can't hide it anymore so i was motivated and that motivation was was relentless and i think that that when we open up our eyes and we tell ourselves the truth of where are we really today how much debt do we really have and you pull out that credit card debt and you pull out and you lay it all out in front of you and you go okay here's my reality here's my awakening and then you set up a game plan. And the game plan may be the debt that is the smallest amount, but it will give you motivation that you pay off first. Hmm. Or it could be the debt that has the highest interest rate that you choose to pay off first. And then you take that money from paying that off and direct it to the next one. And you work yourself through that list. And maybe you get a side hustle and a second job to motivate yourself. And I tell you, it ignites it ignites you because you see that you're in control of your money and money is not in control of you. And once you start taking control of that, it won't control you again because you, because you understand it. You understand where to put it. Hmm. Uh, it, there's, it. It just keeps coming back to me so much of what an emotional component this is. Uh, and we might think of it as solid emotion. You know, I've, it's a truism in sales that people don't make decisions based on logic. They make decisions based on emotion. They justify decisions based on logic. Mm -hmm. So you have to have both. And this awareness of the motivation. I mean, you know, there, there's a very strong connection between emotion and motivation. Uh, it's not fluff. Uh, so th this is mm -hmm. just very, and, before I forget, I'm looking at the clock. Yes, we do need to make sure people know how to contact you. Now, we've had for the video watchers going across the crawl there, the whole episode, uh, Kim's website. But we want to say it out loud for the folks who are on audio only. It is WealthLegacyInstitute.com. And we're going to make that easy with a QR code. So let's see, here is that same website for those of you on video to be able to get to that website, wealthlegacyinstitute.com. And we'll leave that up there for just a second so folks can find their cameras. Uh, although if you're watching this on replay, remember you got that pause button, you know, so you can always make use of that. We will also have these links in the show notes for, especially for the folks who are on audio only. Uh, and then we want to also show you how to get in contact with Kim via LinkedIn. Uh, now I didn't think ahead enough, Kim, to get a crawl for, how that is said. So it is uh, Kimberly Curtis is the name on LinkedIn. Again, for those of you on audio only. Uh, so want to be sure that folks can get in touch. In fact, uh, let me also pop up here. Oh, where is it? There we are. Want to show your website here just a second. 
because it's just it's really eye catching uh, the, the idea about the retirement plan, three minute retirement readiness quiz. I mean, that's a great resource right there. And uh, we could scroll down through here and, and there's there's all kinds of information on Kim's website. Uh, this is the kind of thing that I think so many people think I'm just going to look at that later. Uh, and just delaying a year can make huge difference mm-hmm. on the other end of things. Um, here we are with family again in a way, Kim. I remember my mother um, she suspected that she was having some health issues. We tried to get her to go to the doctor and she was like, I just don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless that's mm-hmm. sticking your head in the sand sort of thing. And people do that with their health. They do mm-hmm. that with their money. Um, what is the, I, I kind of know what advice you would give for this. So what is the motivation to get somebody to not put off taking a look at these things? The mo- <laughs> it's an internal I, I, I it's an internal job so the motivation is <clears throat> really helping them believe that they're worthy enough uh-huh. yes. to have success um, it, honestly it really is is that you're loved everyone is here uniquely on this planet to give something of value that no one else can give mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you find uh, and of course you're working with a level of client now that mm-hmm they are aware of the importance of, of wealth. Even with these folks, do you find people have, I don't want to say they've waited too late, otherwise they wouldn't be there at all. No, the human made laws of money, they are considered successes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you think of uh, congressmen and governors, um, they're being asked all the time for stuff, for favors, for different things. And for them, the outward power and feeling like they have control of their destiny is very Mm. different than their reality of once they leave office, what does that look like? No one takes their calls anymore like they used to. And so I think the important thing is, is it's, it's, it's really, who are you without the title? And how do you bring that into your family so that, 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 you are present in a way that's fully you mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. the title. And so I think that is part of the, the learnings. And there are a lot of money coaches out there that could help the listeners on mindset around money and wealth consciousness. My conversation here today is really to trigger the thought to know that that's an area that needs work. You, as soon as I said, money is looking for you, Many of your listeners may have thought, she's full of crap. (laughs) If you did think that, that's a receptor. Mm -hmm. That's going to block you from actually receiving what you may need to hear. And some people may have thought, oh, that's really interesting and curious. I wonder what she has to say. I wonder if there's something here for me that may be valuable. Those are receptors that tell you which side of that coin you're on. Did -hmm. you already shut it down or were you open and curious? Curiosity is one of the number one things. Curiosity around yourself, curiosity around learning, curiosity about not having a fixed mindset. And you nailed it, Don, right in the beginning. Uh, and to, you used the word grit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't th- see myself as grit, but you're right. Resiliency or anti fragility, 
And being anti-fragile or resilient is all the stuff that we're hearing in the news that could be really unsettling. Mm -hmm. To not let that stick to you, because that's out there. What in here are you going to focus on that you have control over that gives you joy and abundance and love and peace and aliveness and fulfillment in here? What does that for you? It could be reading a book. It could be walking in nature. All of those things help you get into your natural state, your natural money law. I mean, ebb and flow, when we think of the oceans, ebb and flow, when we are entrepreneurs in business, our businesses sometimes make a lot of money and sometimes not so much money and it ebbs. When your business ebbs is instead of like, woe is me, what am I going to do to work on myself to improve my skills? What do I need to update in the business to make it better when the business picks up again? So generally in the ebb is a wonderful time to work on yourself and build up your skill sets. Think of all the online courses that are out there. Think of AI now, uh, ChatGPT, that you could be learning different things to help use that tool in your business, knowing that five years from now, it's going to be a very different marketplace instead of being afraid of it. Very good, very good advice. I, you know, as, as we're coming to the end of our time here, one of my favorite questions towards the end of an interview, um, I'm always a generalist talking to specialists. There is probably something that you wish that I had asked that I didn't. Is there something like that? And what would your answer to that question be? You know, uh, and then we didn't really talk about the human-made money laws as it relates to what I do daily. Okay. Yes. But I think one of the most important things that I often say is that there's no amount of money that can create an extraordinary life. Hmm. There's no amount of rate of return. There's no amount of money, no rate of return that can create an extraordinary life. An extraordinary life is really up to you. Okay. Not the economy, not that you may have lost your job, not who is head of the country. That does not create an extraordinary life. It's up to you. Okay. So money is a means to an end. You got to figure out what the end is. Right. And remember, the purpose of money is to make love work. Mark I Nepo. Love. You need to put that on a plaque or something. You know, <laughs> Mark probably a, already did in his book somewhere. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. We'll, we will try book. to, we'll include that as a, a link in the show notes. There's a resource. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Kim, I, it has been really great to get to know you. I see we've got a comment over here. Oh, yes. Uh, Peg, we, we showed Peg's quote on the screen a little earlier, but the audio folks didn't hear that. Uh, she had said earlier, natural money laws, love that. And now she's sharing such valuable information. Thank you, Kim. And I would echo that. Thank you very much. If you will hang around for just a second so I can thank you properly, I'm going to, I'll put you in the green room for just a second and uh, let folks know what's coming up next week. Got to share one more quote here, though. Peg's got another one. The purpose of money, make love work. 
got it on the screen there. Thank Love you. Kay. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'll be right back with you, Kim. Thank you so much for being here with us. Okay. So folks, uh, as we've already said, next week, we're shifting our schedule. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. We're going to broadcasting on Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern time instead of Wednesday mornings. So next week, I won't be on here Wednesday morning, but we will be on Friday morning. And our guest on Friday, December 1st is Mary Beth Decker. Now, Mary Beth is an intuitive animal communicator. She's got an interesting backstory, how she got where she is. Uh, she helps people and their pets, uh, especially with transitions. You know, there are a number of transitions with pets when you move into a new place, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. And so be sure and tune in on December 1st, Friday, at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and we will look forward to having that conversation. And so as we wrap up this week, uh, a little reminder, as always, to live your values and value your life. That's what we're all about here on The Alignment Show. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.